0: Welcome to Good Morning, the podcast on a mission to open up the conversation around grief and
1: loss with honesty and humour. Hosted by Sally and Imogen, we interview interesting guests to hear how losses shape their lives. Join us as we laugh, cry and drop the odd f-bomb. Welcome back to the Good Morning Podcast. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever time you're listening to this.
0: Hope everyone is okay, and for those of you in the UK, good news about Pathway Out of Lockdown. Mate,
1: stop fiddling with your mic, Sally. Oh, that's what they all say. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry>. Wow, <laughs> wow. Oh, I'm in one of those moods today. Um, <laughs> Um, I would say how has your week been but I promised everyone I'd have a really boring week and then I didn't realize at the time when I said that that it was the one year anniversary of my mum's death oh. so obviously
0: that didn't happen I saw you on the Monday which was the anniversary so I kind of know what your day was like and sort of how it's been but maybe tell the listeners sort of what yeah
1: well, you came over and made me cry. Yeah, I do that a lot. No. <laughs> you rocked up with a huge bunch of flowers. Stop fiddling with this your mic. microphone. Oh my, God. my mic is like literally, po- it's pointed at the window. <laughs> okay. sort so yourself out and you. then I'll continue. Okay, right. That's much better. You sorted yourself out now. Yes. Can we continue? Yeah. Great. Go ahead. Where was I? <laughs> so I came over and made you cry. Oh, yeah. Which- you rocked up with a huge bunch of flowers and you obviously thought that wasn't enough. You gave me the most beautiful, thoughtful gifts and I need to mention it on this episode. So if anyone is ever looking for something to give to someone on the anniversary, take a leaf out of Sally's book. She bought a star in my mum's name and then had it framed and gave it to me and it had like the coordinates of the star in my mum's name and the anniversary date on it and I was a blubbering mess. And then not only that, we have talked before about how our mums are really similar and they both loved op shopping. And so Sally went to an op shop and asked my mum to guide her. This is so woo-woo, but <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> I, I thought like I was like, Ellie's going to think I'm
0: mad. like. But I was like, right, come on, Vanessa. Like let's pick something together. And we'll be walking around this op shop charity shop for those in the uk thrift store in the us we call it an op shop over here um Yeah, and I'm talking to your mum in my head and, yeah, I don't know. I just know how much, you know, she used to do those things for you and I just thought it would be nice to try and channel her. And
1: Honestly, you did. She was there with you because the things that you bought are right up her alley. (laughs) So cute. So Sal bought me a really sweet top with stars on it and a dress for Layla and there's absolutely things that my mum would have bought. So as you can imagine, I was – Yeah, a blubbering mess. Oh, m. And then that wasn't enough, so Sal took me to lunch as well. (laughs) I felt it was very spoiled. It was also really good to spend the day with someone whose mum had also died, so I didn't feel so alone. Mm. Yeah, so I recommend that for somebody. If you're not sure what to do on the day, actually spending the day with Sally was exactly what I needed. And we went and had a beautiful lunch. Spoke
0: about our mum, spoke about your mum a lot. and Yeah.
1: We yeah. had a giant sashimi platter because yes. my mum loved sashimi. She she could eat sashimi for breakfast, lunch, and dinner.
0: It was delicious. Yeah,
1: I was very spoiled. Aww. So thanks, Sal. You are
0: so welcome. You deserved it. You've had a really hard year, and I'm glad that I could bring a smile to your face on a really shit day. So
2: yeah, very. And how very was lucky. the rest
0: of the week? Did you feel? Did you get? a Because I know we've spoken about you know, the grief bombs and they can come at you, not necessarily on the actual milestone day, but a few days later. Did you find that you were kind of okay on the day and then sort of a few days later felt quite griefy? Or
1: Yeah, so there was the anticipation where I was quite anxious and then on the actual day, because I was quite distracted and we had quite a nice day, Um, but that evening on the actual day, I was a mess, Mm. had a glass of wine, had a ciggy. I just was like, you know what? Just let you just <laughs> gotta yeah, do it on those days. Yeah. Um but I only had the one and then I back to not doing that. Um and then I just went through a huge like few days of just feeling so angry. Like mm. the anger was real. I've I've been so snappy at Ben. Ben, if you listen to this, you're probably not. Um, I'm sorry for being such a snappy bitch all week. The snappiness
0: is real oh though, right? God. I feel like I've been really snappy to my husband at times. Have you? And yeah, I think it's like quite a common grief thing. Like I get quite like irritable and quite like mm!
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: Poor poor Aunt and Ben. Poor
1: Aunt and Ben.
0: But you, no, it's poor a poor us us as for well us. look it's, yeah. it was a big week for you and like yeah. the anger is that is exhausting in itself as well you know and you're so
1: like stop fucking touching your mic just You wanted it
0: again i just want to touch my mic today
1: <laughs> just let me be oh my um, god. <laughs> but you know what actually has been good is mm. because i was feeling so angry i was like okay i need i gotta go back to what my therapist said i need to do something active i need to get that anger out in a healthy way mm. so i was like right so i started running again and I know you've been running lately too, haven't you? Mm, yes, yeah, so have. I've just been going and running. There's a field near my place, just do a few laps of that, listening to podcasts, <laughs> would you believe? And do you feel better? So much better. I went for one this morning and I just feel so much lighter because it's such a heavy load. That anger is so heavy to carry. Um, and what's the other thing? So, yeah, also another thing I've been doing this week is I've cut out eating chocolate like at least four or five hours before bed. And I haven't been waking up. Oh. So I'll go to sleep and then I'll wake up in the morning, which is not heard of. Like I would usually toss and turn and wake up like a million times in the night, but since cutting out sugar in the evening, it's just worked wonders.
0: How good is that? Well yeah. done. I Yeah. I would love to do that. I'd just eat so much chocolate that would feel like I would be <laughs> All the chocolate. Honestly, but if it if it works for you, yeah. it's great. Yeah. God love a solid light like, a solid night's sleep. I mean
1: Oh, it was weird. It's rare when you're grieving, I think. Yeah. So that's that's me week. So big week. How are you going? I'm
0: alright. I um so I think in the last episode I spoke about how I'd sold my mum's house, which was like no one tells you when someone dies that the estate and dealing with the estate is like such a heavy load and i'm still dealing with it all it's been like a year and four months and obviously it takes a while to kind of get probate and then you've got you know to sort everything out but yeah it's still ongoing it's a huge
1: responsibility
0: yeah it is and it's just like yeah ongoing you think someone Mm. dies and you've just got to deal with the grief of the death and also there's a lot that comes with it in terms of the admin side of things that is at like quite a heavy load as well so that's kind of been occupying a lot of my time. Um but other than that, yeah, I'm all right. I had a bit of a griefy day yesterday and weirdly, I don't know what it is, but I tend to find that Sundays are quite a griefy day. They for are me. your grief
1: day, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, and I
0: don't know what it is, like why Sunday. Yeah. Maybe it's because like I finally like my body's sort of like relaxing and I'm not thinking about work and like all the other things. Absolutely.
1: That definitely is. You've got time to think about it because, you know, one of your coping mechanisms is you keep busy Mm. with work. And so Sunday you've, you have you know, not got that to worry about. So you've got everything else to think about. And I think that that makes total sense to me.
0: Yeah. Sunday, grief day.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Grief bomb day.
0: And just really quickly before we go on to talk about this episode, I know that quite a lot of listeners are quite interested in signs and I should tell them about my sign. My yes. double sign day. Oh, oh yes, the one at my house. Yes.
1: Oh <laughs> yes.
0: So on the so the night before I saw Imogen last week. So um, it would have been Sunday night and I was thinking about something, um, a situation. Um, and I, you know, I asked the universe, I said, if I need to be doing this in regard to this situation, show me a giraffe. A giraffe that just popped into my head. So I was like, "I love right. your
1: accent." A giraffe. <laughs>
0: Show me G- a gi- fucking giraffe. Giraffe. That was Australian.
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I say giraffe. 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 Why does that sound so giraffe. weird now? Giraffe. Hang on. Do I? Hang giraffe. on. Giraffe. Giraffe. Yeah. Giraffe. I don't right. even know what I say now.
0: <laughs> Show me a giraffe. I mean, <laughs> that might be right, but it doesn't. Show feel me a right. giraffe. <laughs> Show me a giraffe. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the accent. Yeah. Um. So anyway, that's what I said. Went to sleep monday rolls around go to ims get to ims i sit down and literally the first thing that i look at is a book that's like the bendy giraffe or something oh, i just said giraffe giraffe yeah that's what you say i say gi- <laughs> <laughs> guys we've lost the plot yeah. anyway and there was i'm book. actually
1: crying tears right now so that was
0: like a bit of a sign and then on the
1: way home not I- just the book it was a book and it's got a toy giraffe sticking out of the cover of the book like it's not a normal book it was pretty full on okay we're gonna post a picture of it once this is aired so people can see what we're talking about (laughs) because it's not like oh there's just a giraffe on the cover of the book like this giraffe is coming out of the book it was pretty prominent wasn't it anyway and then that
0: that that evening i was driving home and randomly a few weeks ago i'd said to my mum, I'd said, mum, if you're around, show me a pigeon. And then afterwards, I was like, they're kind of everywhere, aren't they? Absolutely everywhere. I was like, that's probably not the the greatest sign. But I'm sticking with it. Anyway. And then... um, Getting desperate over here yeah, if the old sign's are Oh, desperado. Any animal you can think of. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm driving home and this song comes on and it's a, like an 80s song that like took me back to like a childhood memory and I started feeling really emotional thinking about my mum. And then this bus drives past and it's literally got this giant pigeon on the back of it. It's like some insurance advert or something. And I was like looking at this pigeon like... Yeah, see know, that... No, that... well
1: that is. Like it's a bit... I mean, I don't think I would have noticed the pigeon on the bus.
0: Sounds a bit woo-woo. But anyway, think, there are a I few think signs. We're getting a bit out
1: of control, are There are a few signs
0: happening <laughs> this week. Um, anyway, let's talk about who we've got on today's episode.
1: Yes. So this is a very, very important episode and very relevant to the times that we're living in right now. And as COVID restrictions are beginning to ease around Australia in particular, Um, I think it's just crucial that people hear this episode now because since doing this interview, Sal and I were speaking on behalf of Sal and I, we do not look at COVID the same way.
0: This, This episode definitely educated me for sure.
1: Today we're chatting with the lovely Annie Horton. Sal and I connected with Annie through Instagram. So she has been managing an account for the Bob Kemp Hospice called Emerging Grief and doing some amazing work in the grief space. And she is no stranger to grief. Unfortunately, Annie has dealt with multiple losses over the years, including the sudden death of her dad, Carl, who died of a heart attack. And then more recently, her brother-in-law, Nick Cordero, who died after an almost 100 day battle with coronavirus.
0: Just horrific. Yeah.
1: It's such a...
0: Incredibly heartbreaking story, and some of you may have seen it play out in the media because it did get quite a lot of coverage in North America.
1: Huge media coverage. So, Nick was a Tony nominated Broadway star and an actor. He's also a father, a husband, a brother, a son, you know, and, he, and his death did cause a huge media frenzy, which I think it's important for us to also highlight this that when somebody famous dies, the when there is a lot of media coverage on it, the effects that that can have on the family that are trying to grieve are pretty catastrophic. So, mm. and Annie you know, talks a bit
0: about that, doesn't she?
1: Yeah, and I think that is an important one to remember is that these people are human beings as well. And just a, a bit of a trigger warning, I guess some listeners may find this episode
0: quite confronting, um, because Annie does talk us through the reality of you know what it is like when a loved one dies from coronavirus and. Um, it is, you know,
1: pretty pretty horrific. I was a mess at the end of it. Just mm. a warning. <laughs> like, I just could not keep it together at the end of it. Mm. Like, the way Annie helped, you know, her strength throughout the whole episode, detailing what had happened, it just really got me.
0: It's a really, really important story. And it's, it's a really important topic. And it's, you know, it's impacted millions of people.
1: Let's run through the stats. So... It has affected roughly, there's been about 2.5 million deaths from coronavirus worldwide to date.
0: Yep, 500,000 of those are in the the States, the United States. 500,000, that is just insane. 122,000 deaths in the UK approximately Um, and actually in Australia only around 909 deaths at the time of recording
1: so nine hundred nine, like we are so so lucky here.
0: Those a yeah, huge huge huge, um, difference there.
1: But I think what comes with that is ignorance. And you know what? I was listening to the radio this morning, and I got so angry because after obviously have have we've done this episode with Annie, the radio host was actually making jokes about coronavirus and saying, "Oh, only old people die of it." And then they said, "Yeah, but over five hundred thousand people have died in the states." He's like, "Oh, they're all old." That's just not
0: okay. It's like absolutely not okay. But anyway, I think let's get Annie on. Let's get her on. Hey, Annie. Hello. Hey. How Hello. How are you? I'm <laughs> good. How are you? I am so sorry that I kept getting the time difference wrong. Yeah, what oh, oh, don't <laughs> worry I was it. an hour behind, I think, or
2: an hour ahead. You or... were, but that's okay. I, I googled it. I thought, okay, so I'm getting the invite for 5.45. <laughs> but <Lol. laughs> maybe I'm waiting for an hour. But I'm actually so happy that we're doing it this time. Because I lately am like fast asleep by seven o'clock because I, my daughter is teething, and I don't know about you, Imogen, but her canine teeth are coming in, and they're brutal. So she's waking up at five o'clock. Any our kids are the same age,
1: which is quite funny. Um,
0: Oh yes, I remember like they're literally born a few days apart, aren't they? Yeah, Layla's
1: um, molars are coming through at the moment, so we've been up at all hours. Yeah, it's so brutal and just screaming and fussy and everything's, no, 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 I don't want to eat that. No, I don't want to do that. So I completely empathise with you.
0: It's so nice to connect with you because I feel like we... are Yes, and the irony... That we're here to talk about, you know, losing someone close to you um, due to COVID. And randomly, the first time we were supposed to chat, you had to go and get a COVID test. And then we got locked down for COVID the same day. So it was like a double COVID hit,
2: which was very ironic. Yeah, that's right. I forgot I was so sick then. It was brutal. I obviously did not have COVID. Thank God. Isn't it weird that I'm talking to you? Yesterday, in your time, and I'm talking I to you in general. In my, my head, around this,
1: <laughs> so I was like, We're gonna do Annie's interview. I'm like, Can you please just look after the time difference? Well, I didn't do I'm a very good job, job of compute. that, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know what? Whatever. but it's funny,
0: it's so bizarre. It
2: is so, so bizarre. yeah.
0: We're looking into the past, and you're looking into you're not the future, you out of much, Annie. We have yeah. been
1: really looking forward to to speaking to you, and you know educating us all on all about COVID-19 because pretty much from where we are on this side of the world at the moment I don't think we really know you know the large scale of this pandemic and
0: to be honest Australia has had it pretty easy I think compared to the rest of the world and we're very Mm -hmm. fortunate that we have had you know we have had lockdowns but they've been pretty short compared to what the rest of the world is going through yeah Um,
2: yeah it's interesting, it's definitely interesting to see the, the two different perspectives from, I mean, completely different sides of the world and how our areas of the world are managing being in a pandemic, like how interesting is that and how terrifying is that, that we can even have this conversation. Um, it's crazy. We're living in a, in a very wild time right now. It's so wild.
1: And so what's the word that's getting thrown around? Unprecedented.
2: Hearing that <laughs> word
1: everywhere. <laughs> <That's
2: interesting laughs> <time>. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And,
0: you know, I think... Also, like, it's just such a difficult time for everyone to navigate for so many different reasons. But also then grief, mm-hmm. which obviously is a big mm-hmm. thing that we're here to talk about today, mm-hmm. trying to grieve and cope with grief when you, you're locked down and it's such an
1: uncertain time. And Annie, we connected with you through Instagram, which is also wild.
2: I know, so <laughs> and, crazy. We
1: are living in the future. <laughs> we, we totally are. But it's pretty amazing that, you know, we were able to connect that way. I, I just... There's something quite yeah, special about having that resource. It is a resource, I think, now. And, and I have actually yeah. heard you talk about before um, that Instagram was sort of a bit of a therapy for you when you were it grieving yeah. the, the death of your dad. And yeah, it was. it's funny because Sal and I were having this conversation yesterday, actually, that we. Wonder, like, we would really like to know what our grief would look like had we not had that resource.
2: I totally agree. I, I was thinking that's the exact same thing the other day, actually. And that you know, this has kind of ended up being the direction in which my career has taken is exploring grief and bereavement. And it might not necessarily always be it, you know, through Instagram, which is how I'm doing it right now, but um, you know, really the bottom line is. None of us would be here had we not experienced that initial loss, right? We, we wouldn't be talking had we all not lost somebody. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's where it starts is that we wouldn't be in this in this exact spot. I mean, you know, you can say that about anything, but mm-hmm. while we're talking about Instagram, it's just interesting how things that are so awful and so devastating, you know, landing where you are. And now we've made this nice connection of something that was so awful. So that's neat. First, Annie, can
0: you tell us a little bit about your story?
2: My uh, grandfather died and then uh, my father-in-law died. So this was the summer of 2016. So in the summer of 2016 was in the span of a couple of weeks. My grandfather died and then my father-in-law died. Uh, both were sick and battling cancer. Um, and then after that, my dad died in 2017. And then my grandmother died a week later. Um, and both the, my grandparents that had passed away were my maternal grandparents. So my mom's, um, mother and father that I was fairly close to. Um, and, uh, but you know, I think about my mom often losing her husband and then her mother, you know, just a couple was a couple weeks later, I, I guess in December of 2017. It's a huge impact. And then, yeah, it, it's brutal. And then after that, um, then Nick got sick. And then he passed away. So that was within the span of three years that we lost that many wow. people. And I should mention that also in that the fall before my, my dad died, my husband's grandmother died. She was fairly old. But, you know, she lived a very long life, but it was still a loss. Yeah. That's um,
0: a lot, that's a lot a of loss to deal with loss. in a
2: very,
1: very short
0: space
2: yeah. of
1: time. And we're so sorry, Annie. That yes. it's, yeah, it's a lot. And
2: Yeah, I mean, thank you. It was, um, yeah we my husband and I also got married in the summer of 2016 (laughs) so at our wedding throw a wedding in there as well you know and like I could not it was such a it was such a tough time because it was like you know this time we were supposed to be celebrating but my husband's father was dying right so it was like actually it was um I was supposed to have my bachelorette and my uh my father-in-law died like the day before oh really (laughs) yeah so I was like, oh, man, like, I'm not going to go, right? I'm not going. I'm definitely not going. And, you know, my mother-in-law was like, no, you need to go. You need to go. Go and have fun. And even my sister-in-law ended up coming. I think that's the difference between, for us at least, it was he was sick. And, and, um, you know, I think that my sister-in-law really wanted to just be able to enjoy herself and and not kind of live in those first throes of grief before really kind of getting into how awful and hard it was going to be. Mm. Um, everybody coped differently, right? So anyway, that was that. And then, yeah, my dad died suddenly in December uh, of a heart attack on a work trip in Montreal. So it was the type so, of thing so where um, I was it, I was going to a Christmas market with a girlfriend of mine. And I got a call from my sister. And she said, um, Dad had a heart attack. And I'm like, I, you know, and I knew right away. I knew right away. I knew immediately. I was like, he's dead. You know, in my head I said is he okay I knew he was not and um I had spoken to him the day before just via text and the weird thing you know is he was like uh I love you very much all is well and it was something that made me think that like he knew that something was not right and um and then I got pregnant and that was good and then my sister-in-law got pregnant and we were like great like things are really starting to look up and and uh you know I'll be honest with you I was not super stoked on being pregnant. <laughs> I was still very much grieving and I was like, I can't handle more change. I can't do this. This is too much. I'm still grieving. I can't take care of a child. And um, it was really, really hard. Uh, and then my daughter was born. And and then throughout my maternity leave was when I, I kind of was like, you know, this is what I want to do. I had been writing a lot about my, my dad's death and about how I was coping on my Facebook and my personal Instagram just to really kind of keep in touch with people that were in my dad's life and so my dad's friends and my family, and, and then it was nice, because it was getting in, but uh, engaged in conversation with them about my dad, which is what I wanted, I wanted to keep that conversation going, and then um, I reached out to somebody that I knew, that was a, um, a good friend of mine, and, and also, a, she was a mentor of mine, too at a past job, and I, and she works at a hospice, so this is Bob Camp hospice that I work for now, mm-hmm. and I said, hey, I, you know, I have this idea, I, I've been on Instagram a lot lately, and this is where I, I found these accounts so it was um initially it was uh Claire Bidwell-Smith who focuses on she has a book called Anxiety the Missing Piece of Grief so that was like a really really big thing for me which was like I had suffered hugely from like some obsessive behaviors about my health and about my family's health and it totally took control of my life and I basically couldn't function this,
1: this no, no. sounds exactly like I, me
2: yeah yeah, I couldn't function. It, yeah. it stopped my life completely. Yeah. So, so
1: I, I ended up going to, to... What was happening to you, Annie?
2: I can think of a few examples that are... I mean, I can think of so many, but a few near the point where I was like, I'm at a breaking point. I can't function. I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. Was um, I found like a very small bump once, like a, not like a lump, like it wasn't a lump, but I, and I, and I absolutely lost it. I was taking a bath, I got out of the bath, and I was like shaking. And I, and this was, you know, the one thing that I remember after many, many, many things that had happened that were very similar, where I would find something, and I couldn't function. Um, which, when I got pregnant, I was like, this is going to lead into my pregnancy, and I'm going to lose my mind. And I can't take care of a child if I'm feeling this way. Mm-hmm. So then there was another time. So it was yeah, that time in the bath where I was like, I, I got out and I was hysterical and then another time when my husband and I and my stepson were driving to the beach and I started to like feel a tingle in my finger and I was you know totally irrational and I was like you need to pull over my stepson is in the car and he would have been I don't know nine or ten and I'm like I can't do this I can't let this control my family's life and then we go we get to the beach finally and i my whole day is ruined because I'm obsessively thinking like my hands are going numb, my fingers are going numb, and I'm having a heart attack. And I got obsessed with, with um, the thought that I was going to have a, a heart attack because actually shortly after my dad died, a young woman that I went to high school with also died of cardiac arrest. So it was just kind of like- Compounding. That, yeah, that oh. freaked me out. I, I won't say that I, was, I wasn't friends with this girl, but I knew people who were. And just the thought of, this is a young person that died very shortly after my dad died And I don't even know if it was the same thing, right? It was something I heard she had cardiac arrest. I'm like, this could happen to me. It runs on my family. I'm probably going to have a heart attack and die. Still not convinced that I'm not.
0: It sounds debilitating. And I know, Im, you have actually had quite similar experiences. Pretty
1: much exactly the same. It's the health phobias. And yeah, although yeah. my mum didn't die from natural causes, just even still yeah. having someone die and then you start thinking about death and totally. and I get physical totally. symptoms as well. Like the other yeah. day, my foot was going numb. I was like, oh, my God, like what is yeah. happening to me? And I always just go to worst case scenario, like straight to possible worst thing oh, ever, yeah. I'm dying you yeah, know, and, uh, you know, all these That's things go through your mind and it preoccupies you and it's so draining, Annie, and I completely empathize work. with you because, you, you can't function. yeah, and, I mean, I suffered from anxiety prior to my mom dying. Die, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so perfect. I was sort of already there under the surface, yeah, but it's yeah. definitely, like, it's, just it's, it's mm. extreme.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I can tell you that what I did was I, um, I sought out cognitive behavioral therapy. I went like very regimented because I was like, I have to change my lifestyle. Mm. I like, I can't function. I can't live. I can't enjoy anything. And when my anxiety is high, I can't eat. Yeah. So I, I I found a really, really great cognitive behavioral therapist who I learned so much from. She taught me how to change my thinking. Basically I have all these worksheets that I, I, you know, it's work, right? You have to do the work if you want to feel better. And I really did because I knew and I, from my dad too, you know, I I also definitely had like health anxiety prior to because one of the things I would say, you know, I would say, I would call my dad all the time and I'd say, I'm not feeling good. I'm not feeling good. Like, what happens if I die or whatever? Like this is when I was in university and my dad would say, uh, can I have your stuff? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. we so, it was you know, so
1: similar. Think- we are so similar. Like I also, yeah, prior to I always thought I was dying of diseases. Yeah. And I would go around. I'm going to sound like an absolute mental person now, but I would go around to different doctors to get tests because I would, um, I wouldn't yeah. believe them when they gave me the negative results. And that's what it does to you. You are convinced, and it you get depressing. symptoms. You get physical yeah. symptoms of these yeah. diseases as well, and it just takes over. And I would spend exactly. hours researching about. Oh yeah. Um, I've never even yeah. told yeah. Sally that She's yeah. sitting there looking at me like, "No, oh, I didn't <laughs> know this about you." It and sounds intense. It's like, I fucked, fucked up. It's it fucked up.
2: And my, yeah. my thing was meningitis. I missed the meningitis shot in, in high school. So here, when you're in high school, you get a shot for meningitis. And I missed it because I was a theater kid and I was off doing a show somewhere with my, you know, theater people. And yeah, so I missed that. And ever since missing that shot, I thought, I'm going oh go to get, I'm going to fucking die. Got your anxiety just go to town with it? So I would never drink from a water fountain. I refused. I would never do it. Because I thought, I'm going to get meningitis from a water fountain. (laughs) Anyway, I'm not so scared of that anymore. But now seeing that, I'm like, I'm not going to get meningitis. I'm not scared. This little tiny voice in the back of my head is like, yes, you are. And you're going to die. And you're going to find out that you have it
0: tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It sounds sounds like you've kind of mastered a few skills to help, you know, shut that voice down. Hugely.
2: hugely. It's cognitive behavioral therapy. Like, I owe a lot to this person Mm. because she really really helped me to get out of my head and you know it's funny we were talking about like health anxiety and stuff and fear of death and all that you know the much as much as i i talk about grief and death and dying and i'm so interested in learning about it i'm still terrified of dying i still get sick and think my you know the worst case scenario and i don't like that worst case scenario because usually for me that's i'm gonna die i don't like that but having the conversations around it make it a little bit easier to digest Um, but I think you know maybe that's the difference of of working in in bereavement as opposed to you know working bedside and and working you know in palliative care and because that that's so hard it's two completely different jobs and and the idea of you know working directly with somebody who's dying is you know that's hard Mm. because it does make you really reflect on your own your own mortality, right? So Absolutely.
1: Anyway. Yeah. So, Annie, let's get into COVID, which is sure obviously a very hot topic at the moment, which is devastating yeah. to many, many people around the world. Your brother-in-law died. So Nick Cordero, who is a, mm-hmm. an actor and he's a Broadway star, he died of COVID at the age of 41, which is just absolutely mm-hmm. heartbreaking. And mm-hmm. I actually had, had come across... Nick's story through your sister-in-law, Amanda, so through her advocacy around COVID as well. Um, So I'd been following her story too, which is – just heartbreaking there's no better way to put it absolutely heartbreaking no. yeah when did
2: you find Amanda's account was it when Nick was sick or after he had it died it was after he died and it
1: was when Trump good old Donald Trump oh, yeah. had yeah, yeah, done yeah, that yeah, 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 very yeah. lovely announcement about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh COVID and how we just get on with it you know and it's like
2: mm-hmm. mate people mm-hmm.
1: have yeah yeah
2: <laughs> I can see you right now there's so much you want to say about this I you know the tough thing about about talking about what happened with Nick is there's always a part of me that feels like this isn't my story. And because, you know, Nick was my brother-in-law, Nick was my, my husband's brother. And if anyone, you know, is distant from him, it's probably gonna be me. But the reason it works is because it's a part of the, you know, my job is talking about grief and bereavement. And, you know, it is part of my story because he was in my family. He is in my family. And, you know, I witnessed and was a, a part of the massive grief and, you know, trauma that happens when you are dealing with somebody who is, a, you know, a family member who is not only sick from this bizarre, bizarre disease, but who is far away mm-hmm. and in another country, in a country that is in, you know, extreme political uh, upheaval and when um you know things so actually you know I'll, I'll go back a little bit so Nick and Amanda and Elvis were here for Christmas in December of 2019 so they stayed here at our house it was really nice because the babies got to meet and they're actually only born a, about a day apart which was really fun so Amanda and I were in labor like only hours apart from each other well, that's <laughs> wow. amazing um, yeah her labor was like 72 hours and my labor was like four and I pushed for seven minutes. <laughs> so oh it wow. It was like real fast. I hate but you. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> seven minutes. Yeah. incredible. Yeah. yeah it was fast and furious but over quickly so you know it was fun to like you know talk about our our labor stories and and our we were like oh it's gonna be so fun or our babies are so close and we get to like always talk about different milestones you know you have them with your friends that have kids and but it was nice because you know, it was also a bonding experience for Matt and Nick, who had just lost their dad two years before, right? So it was like now they're fathers and mm-hmm. at the exact same time. And, you know, it was great. It was just a nice, you know, some light in what, what uh, you know, were a couple of really dark years and we just had no idea what was coming and who does, right? Mm-hmm. But um, we were all sitting in the, my living room and uh, we're watching CNN and it's like new virus Whatever, like, is in China or, um, you know, in Wuhan and all this, and we're like, what the hell is that? And I'm like, you know, my uh, my anxiety brain, my health anxiety brain, is like, what the fuck? Oh, like, crazy. I remember the day when I was
1: reading in the newspaper. I was like, here we go.
2: You yeah, two are like, some like fuel oh for god. you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. And then I'm like, no, this is ridiculous. You know, like bringing back my CVT training. I'm like you know, change your way of thinking, whatever. And, and we just talked about it for five seconds, but they were here and we acknowledged that it was a thing. And then we just kind of moved on. It was a fleeting thought, right?
1: Yeah.
2: And then, uh, yeah, so um, Nick and Amanda got a house in LA. Um, and that was like really big news and really exciting for them because they were finally kind of looking to settle down. And, and um, you know, they, were st- they had started a family and March comes around. And, uh, I don't even know, I'm getting the timeline on, but anyway, it's um, the great Man- yeah, I don't know. Yeah. and, and they, uh, they have to get their stuff from, um, New York and bring it to LA. So that is where we think that he got it was that, that travel between LA and New York. Um, and it was only, it was very few days, very, very few days but it was right when things were kind of at a high point and it was like mayhem and people didn't know what to do. And it was at the beginning of when toilet paper was going missing. <laughs> oh. And, you know, all the things in the grocery store were just flying off the shelves because like the lockdown had, hadn't happened yet because it was all pending. So, so people probably were like, before ah, face masks you know, were
0: like mandatory and things yeah, like that. Oh, the, early oh my God, days. The, lo-
2: the first lockdown hadn't even happened. It, people were still trying to figure out what was going on. All we knew was that there are cases of this coming up in different countries, and we need to do something or else this is going to become bad, which it did. So Nick comes back home. Um, from, they come back home from, from New, from New so York. So he'd been sorry, in New hours. York
1: though, wasn't it? So that was a bit of a that was a hot spot for COVID too. Well, Exactly. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's right. So Nick, um, so New York was was like the major hotspot at the very beginning, which is why we are certain that that's where it came from could have been the airport like we don't know right we don't have a clue yeah but that makes the most sense because he got sick about two weeks after he got home so when he came home this is another another very vivid memory for me is we're all on uh you know matt and i my husband's name is matt uh matt and and myself and my daughter are on the ground and we're like let's call amanda and nick and all this and like catch up so we call them and Nick's like, yeah, you know, I'm really not feeling well. But, like, he was still feeling okay enough that he was, like, he was just like, yeah, I'm not feeling great. Just not feeling good. And he's, like, I'm really worried. Like, is this, like, COVID? Like, you know, and at the time, I don't even think people were calling it COVID yet. You know where there was, like, kind of a transition between, like, this virus and then people started yeah. saying coronavirus and then it was kind of overall known as COVID-19. And we were, like, dude, like, Matt said, you know, just because, this virus is you know all over the news the likelihood of getting it at this point still is very slim and it also doesn't mean that other viruses are gone mm. like you probably just have a cold right and we're like yeah whatever nobody
0: and also he was very fit and healthy you know he was young there was
2: no reason exactly so at this time right it was the only people that were really getting it and that were reported to be getting it was like what was it tom hanks and his wife and then older people mm. so we were like, this is bizarre. We just wouldn't make sense. So again, it was something that we thought about for a second and then it was fine. Yeah. We were only worrying about,
1: you know, the people with compromised immune systems. So yeah, people like us, we're fine. You know, that's what. Right. Right.
2: And the unfortunate thing is I think that's still a massive misconception because we know that that's not the truth, but people are still having a hard time believing that, that, you know, anybody can get it and anybody, if you get it badly enough, for whatever reason, you may not survive. Um, so, yeah, then Nick um, went to the doctor. I uh, went to a walk-in clinic, I think, and they were like, you just have pneumonia. And they sent him home because at this point, why would there be any reason for a doctor to be hyper-conscious about COVID? It just wasn't the time yet. He was sent home with medication for um, viral pneumonia um, or bacterial pneumonia or something. Something we can take medication for, so probably not the viral kind. But anyway, he went home and then they did say, you know, if you're having trouble breathing or if you're, you're still feeling sick, then come back. And um, what ended up happening was Nick was changing all of his diaper and he fainted. And then he went back to, uh, he went to the hospital, he went to the emergency. Um, and at this point he was put on oxygen and um, oxygen was not enough. He was not getting enough oxygen to his brain at this point. How scary. So um, they basically were like, we need to intubate you right away. And from that point, that was probably, that was, that happened very quickly. That was for a day. And
1: when so, he went into hospital, Annie, correct me if I'm wrong, but he wasn't having the very obvious symptoms of COVID at that point, was, no. was he? He was just lethargic and tired. Yeah. So Nick's tired.
2: biggest, biggest um, symptom was that he was tired. He was just so, so fatigued. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's not something that, is one of the big ones right no, having said think- that he was, he was obviously having trouble breathing too he it may not have been something that he had noticed i, I mean i don't really know obviously but the doctor said you know you're not getting enough oxygen mm-hmm. and that was why he had fainted right
1: yeah
2: um so yeah where are we at? and then he was put in icu um on the ventilator and it all happened so quickly so from our side of things i like i want to paint a picture that that so you can see how it was so for us it was and this is including his mother right so we were getting updates from amanda so amanda would say this is what's going on um we would get and then again in la um they're three hours behind right so uh you know we would be up before everybody and waiting 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 to hear from amanda who you know would be up at, at say seven o'clock and it was at 4, 4 a.m. there so we're waiting 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 to hear we want to wanna find out what's going on and you know we still take take some time to finally hear from her because obviously you know she's at the time uh you know single mother to eight months old nine whatever like a baby right yeah so you know we're feeling helpless we can't do anything for amanda we can't support her while well, she's on her own with the baby and then also, we're terrified about what's going on. with like, We don't know. We have no idea. So um, he was on the ventilator for a while, and, and things actually seemed to, to be going well. They were looking up, and we were like, oh, okay. Like, you know, but the doctor had called us and said, um, he's actually really improving, and things are going well. Um, we're, we're hoping to take him off the ventilator within a couple of days. Now, this was Easter weekend. So you had a spark and, of yeah, hope
0: you thought maybe we things did. might take a turn
2: very very short one but we did and it's hard to remember that because things got so bad so fast and the rest of it was awful so that very small spark of hope is actually kind of hard to think about because you know you almost can't go there mm. because that ends up triggering the, the train of thought where it's like you know, what could we have done? What could have happened? What did happen? What went wrong? Did we use the wrong medication? Why weren't doctors watching him at that point? Well, and on and on and on and on. And, on, and you really just can't go there. It's a
1: slippery slope into the what ifs, isn't it? You just can't do
2: it. No. Yeah. So um, what happened was he ended up um, going into septic shock. So this was Easter weekend. Uh, he went into septic shock. Uh, and that basically meant that his he ended up getting a, a very serious infection in one of his lungs um he when he went into the septic shock he went into cardiac arrest he suffered a couple of strokes um of which we still don't we never really knew the effect of um and then uh he ended up on an ecmo machine which if you know you're watching the news and you're listening to covid stuff you hear the word ecmo a lot so it's life support. So not, not just life support for your lungs, but life support for your heart. You know, after that, there were complications. So what was really good at this point was that he was responding well to the ECMO machine. So he was removed from that and it went very well. And they're like, great. Right. There was never a problem with Nick's heart. His heart was always good. There were problems with blood pressure, which was ultimately, ultimately one of the reasons why his leg was amputated. So, um... And like, I don't know all the details around, I don't remember, because there was the problem with this illness is that there at the time and still there's so much that's unknown. Why is it affecting the brain the way it is? Why is it creating blood clots? Why are people having heart attacks? Why are people having strokes? Like these are things that happen to people and we don't really know why. Um, and it all of that happened to Nick, to somebody who was 41. It all happened to him and in a, span, in a very, very short period of time. So he was on blood thinners um, because he was having trouble um, with circulation in one of his legs, and uh, they kept trying, trying, trying blood thinners, and it was not working. And the more blood thinners they were giving him, um, the the circulation in his body was just it was not great. So he was getting um, his fingers and his the tips of his toes were going black, which means that you're not getting circulation to those parts of your that part of your body. So you basically get gangrene. And what gangrene it is? I mean, you probably know, but it's when yeah. your that part of your body dies. So that's horrific. Um, yeah. So that's basically what was happening to his leg. And they were like, "If we don't remove his leg, it's going to look very bad, and we need to do something about it right away." So this was wow, days, 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 days. It was after. a long.
1: It was a long, long battle, wasn't it? All up, like oh my god. So it's hard to probably point exactly yeah, when they, these things were happening
2: exactly but i do know that like it it happened just a couple of days like because the ecmo machine was removed and that's when the circulation really was an issue so it was just a few days after the ecmo machine was off um they were like hey we're just going to remove his foot i'm like all right that's fine can you please just save his leg because thinking you know he's a dancer he's a singer, he's going to be on television and movies like just try and keep as much as you can and for anybody's sake you know and keep as much as you possibly can um it ended up being that uh it was amputated all the way up to his thigh, which is a really big amputation that's huge um, and that was really weird and i don't you know i don't know much about this but there is definitely grief associated with knowing someone as they are and then knowing that a portion of their body is no longer there anymore you're you know i think it's just a really bizarre thing to think about and i think you do grieve in a way for that person and especially with nick he was not aware right and that for me was a bit of a mindfuck mm-hmm. because i kept putting myself in the situation of i'm in a coma and my leg is removed and when i wake up i'm not going to have a leg and i will have no idea why it's incredibly so difficult. i struggled also with the idea of telling the public about this it was never my decision it was never my choice of course it was not (laughs) because who am I really um but I from my perspective I just thought god I I really would hate to have the world know that I didn't have a leg before me Mm. you know so everybody knows except for me but that Was just a scary thought.
1: That would have been incredibly Um, difficult, Annie, because it was such a public.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. As
1: well, you know, it was on all the national news outlets, and and was getting a lot of coverage. That would have been.
2: Well, exactly, and I mean, I'll talk a little bit about about that now because this is kind of when things really, really kicked off. Was when Nick's leg was amputated. Everyone was like, "What." Why did that happen? I didn't realize that was a thing that happened when you got COVID. He must have this. He must have that. Obviously, he's diabetic. I heard he's diabetic. I heard he has heart problems. I oh, heard this. I heard that. God. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah. and then, the last you know, thing that
0: you need is, you know. Well, exactly.
2: And it's everywhere. So, like, hmm. somewhere where I might go, like, Instagram or Facebook to just, like, look at a couple of stupid memes or, like, chat with a girlfriend is, like, CNN, you know, CTV, people magazine it can't you know it. Blah, blah 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 everywhere everywhere and I was just like
0: like, ah, like
2: it was and it's all
0: hearsay as well and there's nothing you can do know, about it and
2: wh- no and what am I going to do sit there and respond to every single message and be like hey Nick Cordero is my brother-in-law and he actually doesn't have diabetes what the fuck? Why am I going to do that? Yeah. Waste my time and the energy that I have, which is very little, on responding to trolls who are probably conspiracy theorists and people who don't even believe the virus is real, and people who are trying to convince me that my family member has a disease that they don't, yeah, like, like what a am pre-existing I waste my time? condition
1: like, that must have caused that. Because I think people well, are so yeah. afraid of the reality of That's COVID. It.
2: That's it. They don't want to believe that they can get it, and they don't want to believe that a man who is 41 who, who is healthy who has a newborn baby and a beautiful wife and a beautiful life ahead of him to think that that someone can can get it that is that no Th- there must be something wrong with him he got it because there is something wrong with him and that's just not the case because covid like any disease like death does not discriminate and that's the point mm-hmm. is that it doesn't matter where you are who you are and how amazing your life looks if you're going to get sick you're going to get sick because, you know, who's the one making these decisions? We don't know. And for Nick, it was, it was just really, really shitty luck.
0: So his leg was amputated up to his thigh, which is absolutely devastating. And, yes. yeah. you know, probably a real shock for you all as well. What did the next couple of weeks okay. look like?
2: At this point, we were basically told something had shifted. Uh, Nick's oxygen was really low and his blood pressure was really bad, and um, we were told that he was going to die. This was May. So we get a call from Amanda and her sister, and they're in the hospital. And uh, they're like, you need to say goodbye to him right now um, because he's going to die tonight, and we're going to fly you here, keep him on life support overnight so that you can say goodbye to him in person tomorrow. So say goodbye to him now, just in case he doesn't make it, but we're going to keep him on life support so you can at least see him alive tomorrow and then he will die. So I'm like, okay, I need to get this family to LA. So I basically get on the phone with different airlines. At this point, it was impossible to fly anywhere. I said, I need to get my family to California because someone is dying of COVID and they're dying within the next few hours and I need to get them there now. And all these people from the different airlines were great. And we ended up getting tickets for them to leave. So this was, I had been calling probably around 11 o'clock at night. They got tickets for maybe six o'clock the next morning. He actually ended up improving like crazy overnight. The second that his family got there, he improved hugely, Wow. which I think says a lot about having people there yes so they were there at the hospital every day Nick had you know basically wasted away to a very very thin unrecognizable person it was scary he did eventually like he came out of his coma and there was a time when he was tracking so they knew that he was aware in some respect but because he was so weak the level of awareness was never really fully understood so it wasn't like at this point, Nick was actively dying. He also wasn't, like, getting better. So he was kind of living at this, like, stable condition, which is where he really shouldn't be. He needed to actually improve because, you know, you can't really keep somebody alive in that state. He was in such a, a terrible spot. And it you had know? been an
1: incredibly so- long time already mm-hmm. by the time he yeah, got to that so point long. too.
2: Yeah, And you know, mind you, throughout this whole experience, throughout those those weeks that my husband was there and throughout the weeks before, um, you know, there was still mass media coverage of everything. So it was it was really just like we never, ever could escape it, no matter what was happening, if it was good or bad. And, and oftentimes when there was some very small <clears throat> ounce of good news, it was a big blow up that things were great. But really, you know, we knew that things weren't actually great. It was just, we had maybe a good day, but there was nothing saying that the next day was wasn't going to be terrible. So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, so I just came and um, we were on uh, FaceTime with so Matt's sister, myself, and uh, Matt were here. They took the, all the machines away, and it was like quiet. And then they played music, and um, the doctor basically said, you know, Nick's heart is really strong, and that's what kept it going. So they didn't really know at what point he was gone. Like, his brain had stopped working, but his heart kept going, which just tells you that he was, you know, he, despite all this, that he was a healthy person. Mm. Um, and then he died around 2, two o'clock our time. And he, our, one our hearts... Sal and
1: I, like our hearts go out to you and your family. It's, it's, this must have been really difficult for you to relay to us. And I, I thank you for your time. And it's made me quite emotional. Sorry, hearing. Um, no, it's just, it's, it's absolutely, it's traumatic, you know. And I, and yeah. we don't know all of this stuff that goes on. And, and, yeah. you know, it's not happening like that over here. And we're incredibly lucky. Yeah. And I think it is so important to educate everyone in Australia and anyone else listening that the, these are the so, sorry yeah. um, that these are the effects of, of this virus and it needs to be taken seriously yeah uh-huh. thank you thank you so much for you know sharing your story with us and, and I'm so sorry it's been a really hard you know years it's been a really difficult time for you so I really really appreciate you coming and, and sharing all of your story with us and
2: Thanks for having me. I, I also you. really, really appreciate you giving me the, the space to do this. So We're so sorry this happened to you. It's
0: like it's heartbreaking. And just what an awful thing for you and your family to go through and having to say goodbye over FaceTime. Like, yeah. Yeah.
2: It's, it's really bizarre. It's not fair. Yeah, um, it's not. It's not fair. I mean, we all know that. You both know that from your own experiences, but experiencing things like this, is, it's not fair. no. And yeah, I mean, the only thing you can do is, I mean, and I won't say this for everybody, but for us, it's you just muscle through it. You just do it. What other option do you have mm. other than to just do it and to just get to the other side and whatever the other side looks like, you know, you don't know. But we're living it. in that other side right now and we're, we're doing okay. And, mm. But, you know, you do, you live every day thinking, and I made a post about this actually on Emerging Grief the other day about the fear of losing somebody else because you do, you have that fear. I have that fear every day still. I'm like, you know, at this point, it's like, who's next, right? And my husband lives in that fear because he's like, I'm the only man. He's like, your dad died, my dad died, my brother died, you know, I'm the only one left. There's this video I shared um, on my personal Instagram. It's a really amazing video and it's of my stepson and my dad and my father-in-law, and of Nick, and they were all musicians, but my dad was a jazz musician. He was a pianist. Uh, Nick was obviously a musician. I could play the guitar and sing, and, and uh, my father-in-law played the drums. So in this video, all three of them are playing and playing, and Jack, my stepson, is like singing on his little guitar. And, you know, that was four years ago. <laughs> and everybody in that video is gone, except for my stepson. Mm-hmm. And looking at that, you know i have a hard time i have a hard time looking at that mm. because it's just a very small glimpse of what our life once was and it is not anymore mm. so it's very bizarre it's, it's very, very b- i mean really I'll hard say. To,
0: to comprehend yeah, just, isn't it how quickly yeah. things can change
2: yeah, Annie, yeah.
0: Um, last question from us so What message would you like to get across to this side of the world? Because, you know, to Im's point earlier, you know, we haven't really experienced COVID in the same way, I think, that the rest of the world.
1: Well, Um, it's quite frustrating. And even I sitting here, we're going about our pretty normal lives. And it just doesn't make any sense because these are the effects of COVID. It can happen to anyone. Like, as you said, Nick was a healthy healthy man with no pre-existing medical conditions yeah so yeah
0: yeah. so we I think our experience of COVID is is quite different to you know what you Mm -hmm. and your family have been through so what message would you like to get across to this side of the world about COVID-19
2: I think I guess all I can really say is you know I think that we're we're beginning to normalize the situation that we're in and we shouldn't we should never normalize You know, this is a big trendy word, normalize this, normalize that. Can we not normalize living in a pandemic? And I think that's part of it. Mm -hmm. People are getting used to this. So they're just getting careless and they're forgetting, you know, because maybe they've lived this long without getting sick or knowing anyone that has been sick, they think, well, I can just get on with my life. Well, nothing's happened, so I can just get on with my life, Mm -hmm. but stop. So I think really it's just take care of yourself and listen to what your government is saying. If they're saying to wear a mask, do it. wear, wear a bloody mask. goddamn yeah. mask.
0: Just do it. Ignorance exactly. is, is infuriating. And yeah. I think if there's it one is. thing that we've taken away from our conversation today and, you know, everything that you've been through is, you know, COVID doesn't discriminate and anyone can get it no matter how healthy no. you are. Like, you know, even if you are younger, it's not just something that is for you know people who have impaired immunity or or, or exactly. older like you know people who are fit and healthy like nick can get it and that's really yeah. important for people to know um because I, I think th- you know like you were saying people think oh i'll be fine i'll just walk around yeah. you know perhaps i won't um, abide the rules or
2: wear a mask and yeah
1: yeah we get complacent
2: but that's it it's just it's this you know this is the new normal okay well this is the new normal then whatever i've adjusted Mm -hmm. right yes people say they miss their loved ones but a lot of people say they miss their loved ones and they go see them anyway and they get together and they have parties and whatever I mean Mm -hmm. so these are the reasons why we you know at least where I am we're not improving and I it's terribly frustrating because we are doing our best we're doing our absolute best over here and I'm you know I'm losing my mind everybody's losing their mind Mm -hmm. the people who are abiding by the rules that we are told to abide by we, you know, yeah, we're tired and frustrated.
0: Annie, it's been so nice to speak with you today. <laughs> and, and, you know, unfortunate the reasons that we are speaking to you. And we are so sorry for what you and your family have gone through. Um, we are so appreciative of you sharing <clears throat> your and your family's story with us today. Um, I know it's not easy for you to talk about. And, um, Hopefully, a lot of our listeners will take something away from this chat you know and um it I think it will be very educational for a lot of people. so thank you so much yeah. for your time
1: you're incredible Annie. Thank you so much thanks so much guys. I really appreciate it
0: that was a very emotional and i mean that was a blubbering miss so grateful um to Annie for sharing her story with us because it's not an easy story to tell or have or to have to recount. Um, but it's just such an important one to share. So massive
1: thank you, Annie. So important. And listeners can find Annie on Instagram at it's Annie Horton, And she also shares some fantastic resources over at the Emerging Grief account, which she manages, which is at emerging.grief. And we'll also link all of these resources that we have mentioned in today's episode in the show notes. Guys, thank you
0: so much for tuning in. If you can give us a rating rating, or a review on whichever podcast platform you listen to. That would really help as it makes the podcast easier for others to find.
1: And if you know someone who might benefit from listening to this podcast, please spread the word about good morning.